Hello and welcome to the We Are NTC podcast, a production of NTC Australia and New Zealand. My name is Joseph Wood and I'm the Dean of Students at NTC and your host for the podcast. It's my pleasure to introduce our guest for today's episode, Cameron Batkin. Cameron wears many hats. He's a pastor, a chaplain, a regional youth leader, and an NTC alumni. In our conversation, we talk about his experience at NTC, the ways in which he's heard and followed God's call on his life, and the importance of food in the Christian life. Cameron's a dedicated follower of Jesus who seeks to share the hope he has found in Christ with everyone around him. Let's get to know Cam together. Hello and welcome to this episode of the We Are NTC podcast. Um, I am happy to have with me a uh, an alumni um, and a friend of the college, uh, Cameron Batkin. So welcome, Cameron, to our podcast. Uh, thanks very much for having me. It's uh, cool to catch up. So can you tell us uh, about your the role that you played at, at NTC, your involvement with the college, and where you currently are and what you're currently doing? Um, I have been a student at NTC a couple of times. I had a crack at studying early 2000s and sort of didn't finish those studies at that time. It's probably a nice way to put that. Um, and then 2018, um, started study, um, completed my Bachelor of Ministry like February last year. Um, I've also been on the board at NTC. I think I was on that position for five or six years. But unfortunately, I was a lay person and not to get in the weeds, but because of where I was at in my ministerial journey, journey, I was no longer considered a lay person, but now clergy. And so I wasn't able to fulfill that position. Sorry. Yeah. That's all right. Um, just by way of explanation, we as a college have a board of trustees uh, who kind of govern what we do and work uh, closely with the principal. And that includes uh, people who are in the Church of the Nazarene denomination, um, lay people, and also clergy people. So my assumption is, Cam, you were elected as a lay person and then you changed to a clergy person. So you no longer have that's right yeah i was sort of stuck in the middle um in our ministerial development process there's a bit where i wasn't quite clergy in the eyes of the things and i wasn't like anymore i was sort of stuck in the middle yeah that 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 makes sense to me hopefully it makes sense to, to everybody else so where do you currently live and what do you currently do we live in maribor queensland which is about three, three and a half hours drive from the campus of NTC. Um, I did all my study here. Um, I pastor Richmond Street Community Church. Uh, we run a community cafe that's been pretty well publicized called The Chatterbox. Um, so I help run that. And I'm also the chaplain for distance education at Riverside Christian College, which is a prep to year 12 school, um, Christian college. But I'm in the distance education side of things. So my students are from anywhere basically we have them all over the place wow brilliant so you've got quite a few hats that you wear i think there's another hat um with with young people that we might talk about later and i might ask you a bit more about the chatterbox uh, as as our conversation continues so tell me what does a day in the life of cameron look like I, I guess like all those in ministry every day is different so you never know where it will head or the conversations that you have you know the phone calls that 
pastors get. I, I recently got a phone call about trying to fix someone's vacuum cleaner. And unfortunately, my, my study at NTC didn't cover that. Um, didn't think that was going to be part of it. But but I minister to people in all sorts of worlds and different places. So, yeah, I, I don't think there really is a typical day. Um, a college day for me is I teach Christian living. Um, I'm involved in various meetings with um, different stakeholders within the college about the Christian side of the college, obviously being a chaplain. Um but yeah, I teach Christian living is a big chunk and I just try and minister to people, be they students or staff members or teachers or whoever. I just check in on people and just see how they're doing and have a chat, which is a great fit for, for me and who I am. That's great. So the simple answer is no day looks the same for you, which I th- I find that exciting. Um, not right. doing Having something different uh, every day. That's brilliant. Yeah. Could you describe your time at NTC as a student? And you said you were a student a couple of times. Could you describe your time uh, in just a few words? Um, how would you describe your time at NTC as a student? Times of growth, I think. Um, transformational. Sorry, you said a few words. So I think that's sort of really where that's at for me is learning and growing and developing um, who I am. Um, where God's leading me. I I guess that's probably going to be a follow-up question about why I actually went to NTC, so I won't go there. Um, but, yeah, I think that's probably is is growth and transformation. Yeah. Um, definitely not who I, I started out as. And that's why you do a degree, right? Like that's why you learn. Because yeah. if you knew it all, you wouldn't study. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you'd be surprised. Some people do. Uh, begin their studies thinking that uh, they, they've got it all sorted and college is there to confirm what they already believe. But you're right. That's not what we do um, at college. Our our role. Oh, and I might have had a little bit of that too, I'm sure. We all do. I, I think especially my, my first semester. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's normal. That's natural. We all have um, ideas and thoughts about things. And so we encourage students when they join us um, to, to come with an open mind um, that you'll be that you will be challenged, and actually, most people do leave with similar beliefs, if not all the same beliefs, but with so much more capacity to think deeply and to share with others uh, the why of what they believe, rather than rather than just the what. Uh, you preempted my next question: What led you to NTC? The call of God. I, I knew that I needed to go deeper. I know. I never knew where I've. I've been around the church. So I, for those of you who don't know me, you can't see me because it's just a recording. I'm actually in my 40s. Um, I've been around the church a long time. I've become Christian at 16. And so I've always felt the call of God in my life, but I never particularly felt like preaching was necessarily my thing. And so I thought more about becoming a deacon rather than an ordained elder in the church and not to use too much churchy language. But I thought more support ministry rather than actual pastoring was where I was called to. And then I had an encounter with someone, um, Sam Hancock, who came and visited us at church. That would have been 2016. And he sort of said, why are you not using your God-given talents? And I'd already had felt called that way. Um, But then there was that conversation with my wife saying, look, I think, I need to go study and I need to prepare for ministry. And 
not just sort of work and do ministry, which is what we had been doing for a long time. Um, so, you know, there's obviously that sort of tension in, in a relationship and that's obviously not where we're going today, but yeah, so that's why NTC. And so you mentioned someone in your life, you know, encouraged you. Did you have any any mentors or any people besides, you know, your immediate family and that you spoke to about these things? For a long time. there's There's been a long line of people who have said, when are you going to NTC? And, 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 and those and those things go all the way back to when I was 14. So it's 14 years old, not a Christian, but going to a youth group at a local church at Anala, which is now Place of Peace Church of the Nazarene. And there would be activities um, at the college, um, youth services or sports days or whatever it was. And there were students then, um, specifically Tim Burden and, and Phil Wells, who were like, when are you coming down to see to, see, to study? Because... I think God's calling you, and I'm like, A, I'm 14, B, I'm not a Christian. So so they obviously saw something that I didn't see myself at that tender age. So there's lots of other names along the years. Um, the pastor who's um, under his ministry, I became a Christian, Rod and, and Margaret Watson at Anala Church. Uh, people like David McEwen, who's been a, a dear friend and mentor of mine for, there's a very long list of those people. Mm, um, that I could probably head to. So just just to follow up on that, um, I think most people that we speak to who who are in some form of ministry will talk about the language you used about God calling them or or sensing God leading them in some direction. And nearly all of them will have some kind of group of people or at least one or two mm. close mentors. Um, who they speak to. It's fascinating that they saw that in you before you even claimed to have a faith um, in God. That's brilliant. Crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. So you you joined uh, the NTC community and started doing study. Did this type of study come naturally to you or did you find it difficult? What were the, you know, the opportunities, the, the fun things about study and what were some of the challenges? When I compare myself to my wife, she's a natural student. She fits into that stuff very well. Um, I, I I guess my learning style is very different. I'm, I have a pretty good memory, so I really like to memorise things. So the style of study these days, it, like I feel like there's even been a huge shift from when I first did some subjects back in the early 2000s to now. So now it's much more about learning and development rather than here's a whole lot of facts and you just got to remember them and away you go. And that's how I like to learn. Um, give me a test any day rather than a 2,000-word assignment with referencing and all that sort of stuff. But I have found that those research skills and those deep thinking skills have definitely helped not just be a pastor, but but also really much in my, in my chaplaincy work. There's lots of different issues or things that come up or... Um, learning disabilities that our students have and I have no idea about them and so I have to sort of research that to sort of be able to, to minister to, to those students. Um, so your, I don't know, your classroom experience um, and sitting in lectures and having discussions, is there any moment, I don't know, that you can point to as uh, 
that was a significant point in my study or some kind of a turning point or a, an aha moment. We often use that language in higher education. There's quite a, quite a few like ministry type subjects, which because I actually have a Bachelor of Ministry, not a Bachelor of Theology. So there's a slight difference there. Um, I think um, the preaching classes that I did with Dr. Bruce, now especially I find very, very relevant. And as I said before, I never saw myself as a natural sort of preacher, which is some people might find funny because people know me and know that I like to talk. But I think preaching and bringing God's word is a different thing than just sharing about something else. So I, there's definitely some aha moments in, in the two preaching subjects that I did. I did a subject last year, community engagement as a means of church planning with, I think it was David Wilson. Okay. And that was an excellent subject. And unfortunately with COVID and being across many states, it was definitely one of those subjects where I would have been a great intensive, literally at the college where you could just sort of live together for two weeks and just sort of talk and hang and because it was really that sort of subject. So, yeah, I think those two really stand out to me. Right. Good. Thanks for that. Over the many subjects. I'm sure if you spent a bit more time, you'd have all kinds of stories coming, rushing back to you. So you've talked a little bit about being pastor. You've talked a little bit about being chaplain, but there's another role that you play in the church of the Nazarene denomination. And so tell us a bit more about that one. Despite my age, I'm still involved in youth ministry, which is a huge joy to me. So I am, if you want to go for titles, I'm the regional council chair of the Asia Pacific region uh, youth council, but I serve more so as the field youth coordinator for Australia, New Zealand field. So I help uh, youth ministry happen across Australia, New Zealand for the denomination, encourage leaders, train leaders, um, and then those leaders will work in local churches or districts or, or wherever from there. So, yeah. So what kind of things have you been able to do through Nazarene Youth International? Have you gone anywhere? Have you done some big events or... You know, what types of things have you been able to do? From from local camps to, to district youth camps, I really love those sort of spaces because that's sort of where I get to connect with people. And it's very easy for, for people to say, oh, here's this person in authority, but that's not really how I see myself or how I roll. So I really enjoy those sort of opportunities. Last couple of years, except for the last two, oh, I got to New Zealand in 2020. But I've been able to go to the district youth camp and and the young adults retreat, um, which are both amazing events and just get to hang out with people and just get to, to share what God's doing and see what God's doing in their lives. Third Wave has been a big part of me. So Third Wave is a leadership development conference for young people between 18 and 25. They change the month. They change the ages every now and again. But roughly it's been between 18 and 25. Um, and I've been, my first one was in South Africa in 2007. I skipped Bangkok um, in 2011 because we just had a baby and I was just, just getting back into youth ministry. I had a couple of years break. And then I was at uh, Costa Rica 2015 and then India in 2019. Um, global NY conventions, I've been at everyone since 2005. They happen every four years. Yeah, and I've and I've had the privilege of, our regional youth council meetings are usually in October, somewhere on the region. So I've been to 
uh, Indonesia a couple of times and Korea and Thailand, Singapore. So this has opened up all kinds of doors for you being involved in, in youth ministry, not just locally, but also uh, in the wider region and, and globally. Yeah, it, it's been a huge privilege. Yeah, it, it's kind of strange because I uh, was, was able to contribute in a book too, which was really cool where they, um, a chap, there's three books, Be, Do, Go, so Discipleship, uh, dis, sorry, Evangelism, Discipleship and Leadership Development. And I contributed a chapter on Leadership Development. But each of the authors was from one of our six global regions, which was really mm. cool. So mm. some people were writing in French. Yeah or another language or Spanish, and then it got translated to English and we all contributed this book from around the world. Wow, that's um, brilliant. So that was very cool. But I don't really see myself as an expert. I know that sounds funny. I, I just see myself as someone who loves God and loves youth and and just sort of open to, to where that goes from. But I, give it, I guess I do have quite a lot of experience these days. Yeah, that's great. Lots of different ones. So. Some, sometimes when we reflect back on our lives, we don't even realize all the things that uh, God has enabled us to do. Absolutely. So let's get back to you locally where you are. What, what gets you going every day? What, uh, what excites you? What, uh, what do you look forward to every day? Being able to share hope with people who have no hope. Um, we live in a world, and I think the last two years have been particularly strong but I guess it comes back to my own experience so between 14 and 16 I watched these Christians in my local church well they became a local church and I saw God using those people and I saw their way of life was different to mine and they coped with things that I didn't cope with and so now my privilege is to hopefully be that agent of hope or that beacon of hope well no I'm not the beacon of hope but but you get what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I try and show God's love to people and, mm-hmm. and not in a, I want you to become a Christian because, but I just, yeah, it's, it's more about showing God's love to people who, who need to know about God's love. Mm-hmm. And if they accept that or not, I'm still going to give it. So what do you do for fun? What do you do to relax? I like music. Yeah. Um, very broad styles of music. From alternative to rock to ska, punk, probably some styles of music that a lot of people aren't familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, love going to to see a live band. It's been a couple of years now, uh, so that's always been good. Um, food, I love feeding people, mm. um, I, and I like eating. I'm fussy. I'm not, I don't, my wife says I'm fussy, but I I don't think I am. I just know what I like. So all sorts of, and I love to travel. Obviously, given my role. And I usually eat along the way and people sort of see my Instagram or Facebook and say, well, you know, you say you've gone to this conference or these meetings, but all you post is, <laughs> is photos of food. And I'm like, yeah, but no one wants to see pictures of a table. Me sitting around a table, like no yeah. one wants to see those photos. What would be one no of the weird, out for that. What would be one of the most unusual things that you've eaten? Or the thing that if, I, you, um, if you think about it, you know, you would be there in a second to have it again. I think I've ever really been offered anything rather unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, the Koreans, when we were in Thailand, ordered this dish that was basically just slivers of salmon with chilies on top, like actual whole chilies. Hmm. And they're like, try some. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. But I might try some. And they're like, no, you shouldn't. 
because I, dear friends who know me well enough to know that spice <laughs> and myself don't mix. I don't. I don't. My body doesn't handle spice. Okay. I, I come from English and German stock, so spice is not something that I, my body was designed for. To to me, it's not even the food often because people say, "What's you know what?" I've been asked this question before. What's your favorite meal? Like, is there anything that stands out? And I'm like, to me, it's more about the people around the table. Mm. and the conversations and the discussions mm. that I had more than the actual food. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. I, I often am transported. Sometimes food will transport me to a moment. You know, it might not be that the food was that good, um, but it was something that right. I ate with a group of people at a particular time. So I, I resonate with that. I have very strong memories tied to food and mm. I can tell you what I ate at what place. Right. Um, which my wife finds quite strange. Like I can tell you what I ate at Disneyland. I can tell you what I ate at the Grand Canyon. I can, because my brain just somehow <laughs> is wired that way. It's interesting. Um, you, yeah. You can see, you can see a little bit of gospels in that, um, especially in uh, places like the gospel of John, where food seems to feature um, and that these stories are generated around food it's, 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 it's a good lesson good pre- good pre- preaching series for those of you looking for something to preach do a preaching series the ta- on- well the table itself intrigues me exactly um, yeah no that's good and there's good. this concept going around of, of like uh almost like a dinner party church and mm-hmm. and that sort of definitely appeals to me mm-hmm. um and and food is is quite a big part of of a lot of my ministry, I, I, t- I tell you one really strong food memory that holds a lot for me was, I think it was, I was just thinking about this this morning. I think it was December of 2017. Um, I went to Papua New Guinea um, to talk about the justice movement, which was something we were doing at the time within youth. And I got to speak to 900 or so youth leaders and leaders way up in the mountains of Papua New Guinea. And it was like a five, six hour drive that felt quite treacherous at times, back and forth, um, got car sick on the way back in the back of the Land Cruiser. Anyway, so we get back after being up there for a week and the National Council of our youth was with us. And I was in, I got dropped off to an apartment with a basic sort of kitchen and then told that I needed to feed 10 people. And all we had was a small can of corned beef. I found a couple of onions in the fridge, some butter, a couple of packets of noodles and six eggs and some cream and managed to cook on some rice, I think. And that's all they sort of brought it together. And I just remember myself and Jana from uh, Regional Youth, and it just felt like a challenge in one of those cooking shows where they're like, here's a mystery box. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, Jenna, I don't know how we're going to feed all these guys. Like the rest of them were uh, local blokes. And I was like, I don't know how if we're going to have enough food to get through. And we we all ate and we all had plenty to eat. And it was delicious. It was amazing um, using uh, a bit of soy sauce we found in the cupboard. And yeah, it was, it was very cool. So that for me is probably a real memory. And I know since then we've talked about having an opportunity for us as a regional youth council when we do have our meetings, actually, because usually we eat out because of time constraints, but just sort of cooking together. And I think that's a really cool sort of moment to sort of be able to just to cook together and to see how other people do it and oh, learn some 
stuff off other people. And, so true. Yeah. You, you made me think of, we had, uh, we hosted in Manchester where I lived, um, our sister college there, we have an NTC in Manchester, um, and we hosted a, a Nazarene youth uh, conference uh, on campus. We were actually a, a site for the, a general assembly um, where all of these representatives from around the world come together every four years and make decisions, and you've mentioned that a little earlier in, in our discussion, but um, so we were a satellite um, location, and we were part of the Eurasia region, which spans from Ireland all the way to Russia and down to India. So it's a really big, yeah. a big place, which includes people from all different uh, walks of life, different so languages, different cuisines. And yeah. so uh, one of the leaders thoughts, uh, just on a whim one evening, uh, he said, why don't we do an international meal tomorrow? Um, so he had, you know, people from who were willing from the different uh, countries, different regions as a part of this big area. He asked if they'd be willing to, to cook, a me- cook a meal, um, from where they, from where they live. And he had them write down their ingredients. And at two o'clock in the morning, it was one of these, you know, 24 hour, um, grocery wow. stores, he and a few other people go and they buy everything that they, that they can find. They couldn't find everything, but everything they could find. Um, from from these recipes and the next day we had this huge international smorgasbord as it were um, we had meals from all over the world um, and it was this little glimpse of heaven is kind of how we described yeah. it because when when the kingdom of God comes in all of its fullness and all of these people from all of these different places are all together in one place we don't just you know transform into this, these um, robots, you know, who, who are all exactly the same. God is a God of diversity. The Holy Trinity Mm. is diverse. And so I just got this, this glimpse of, of all of this variety of of people and food and flavors. And you could have, you could sense the spirit of God moving in each one of these kitchens around campus. Um, It was, it was a beautiful experience. That would have been seriously Uh, cool. Oh, it it was, and I'll never forget it. Right. And and there's certain things that if I see it or if I eat it or if I smell it, uh, I'm transported uh, back to that moment. Uh, The other thing is we had in our kitchen where we were staying, uh, we had the Italians and um, they showed me how simple how Italian food can be. Um, but it's all about the process. So it takes a long time. So much for so little the Italians. I, it, it's I true. Um, and our room, our, like our, our kitchen, our, our flat, it was, um, was just filled with this aroma. And I couldn't believe how few ingredients they actually had. Wow. And I've still got the handwritten recipe from from one of those people who who put that meal together oh it was fantastic thanks for sharing that that, that's uh yeah can i ask what year that was what year that conference was um i mean you would have been i assume at uh the sites in Hmm. the philippines i think is where i did the philippines in 2009 that was the first one so 2005 i was in indy 2013 2017 i was in the states that's what it, it would have been that one, um, the uh, 2017 one, I think. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because I yeah. remember I was part of the team 
on that event. And yeah, I remember communicating back and forth. Yep. There's yep. a bit of communication issues that were happening yeah. with Manchester in particular. Yeah. yeah it, it was quite exciting. It, it was a unique experience to try and bring six different, or may have been more than that. I think it might have been eight different locations around the world in a live a business meeting, as it were. Um, and it wasn't just business. We also did worship together and different languages. Translation. Translation. And, languages. Uh, it was just fantastic. Uh, you bring back all kinds of memories. Um, so for any of you who are, are a part of the Nazarene world, this is NYI, Nazarene Youth International. And uh, if you're not involved, if your local church is not involved, please do get involved. For those of you who are not a part of the Nazarene world, um, just to say, I'm sure that each of your denominations has something for young people. And uh, this is just one of those versions. And it's so powerful. I mean, I was a part of NYI when I was a young person and still benefit from the things that I learned and the experiences uh, that I had, as well as what you've shared, Cam. So thanks. Thanks for that. We're just uh, finishing off our, our conversation. I have a couple more questions. So what would be your hopes for the future of NTC? I know you're no longer a student. You're an alumni. Um, you're in ministry. You're still connected to us. And I don't know, do you have any any hopes or dreams or wishes that you would like to share um, for the college? I'm hoping to, to, to study again. So I don't know if it will be this year, but the graduate diploma, sorry, grad whatever it is, grad cert, I think it is in chaplaincy. Yeah, grad cert in chaplaincy. I'm buying that off. Um, okay. I think that looks like an excellent course and partnership. I'm not a scripture union chaplain, um, which is a, the major chaplain chaplaincy organisation for schools in my state of Queensland. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a direct hire between myself and the school. So, but scripture union has a lot of experience with chaplaincy over many, many decades. And their partnership with NTC really excites me. I guess one of the things from being a student but also being on the board is is NTC, and I don't think we talk about this enough, and I'm not really sure why, and this may get cut, but the faithfulness of God um, that NTC is still functioning and running given the small student numbers and the small numbers of the denomination in that part of the world, our part of the world, um, the very fact that we still have a college uh, training and preparing people for ministry is very powerful. And now the fact that other organisations like Scripture Union um, and other denominations want to partner with us says to me that NTC really hits above its weight when it comes to its academic program. So so, uh, so a bright future ahead for, for NTC is really what I'm hoping and praying for on a cheeky side of things. Would love for the car parks and driveways to be fixed if you've been on campus. Um, they're pretty horrendous. But, but yeah, I guess that's, that's a, a future ahead no, that's, is, is what I'm hoping for. That's good. Yeah, if anyone out there has, you know, about fifty to $100,000 that they'd like to share for a new car park and a new drive, that would be wonderful. <laughs> it's, it's always hard to get someone to uh, donate for something like that, but it's a necessary, necessary thing. It would make a huge impact to, to practically on campus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Well, thanks for that. I, I have just one more question for, for our current students. Is there any word of encouragement um, or advice that you would give them as they're in the middle of their study? I, I think for me, it was a few things, but I won't drag on too long. But I think planning ahead is definitely, especially if you're doing multiple subjects, 
So there would be a time within like week one or week two of a subject where I'd actually sit down with my wife and because I think those conversations, I'm, I'm a talker. So we would sit down with like a whiteboard or whatever and go, here are the assignments, here are their due dates. Um, because I was off campus, the turnaround for books was an amazing service um, where the college would send out books. Um, you'd pay postage, obviously, um, there and back. But it would be about a week turnaround for me to get books. So, so I needed to plan ahead. So we would sit down, look at the assignment, think this is the topic I'm going to hit at, get on the, on the, the library site, look at the catalogue, start requesting books. And so planning ahead. Uh, so I think that planning is really crucial, at least for me and the type of learner I am. And the other thing was one subject at a time. You know, don't, don't be overwhelmed at the start of your program and go, I've got 24 subjects or whatever it is to do. It can be, I found that very intimidating at the start and just break it down into to one assignment, you know, one week at a time, make sure that you've left yourself enough time for reading and, and all that other stuff that needs to be done because you, you owe it to yourself and your lecturer and your fellow students to be prepared for your classes. I find that reading was really important to me. Thanks for that. Um, a word of encouragement and advice for our current students. So Cam, thanks so much for joining me. If anybody would like to get in touch with you, um, learn more about Chatterbox or NYI or even chaplaincy, um, is there a way that they could contact you? Richmond Street Community Church has its own Facebook page. Um, it's probably the easiest way. Australia, New Zealand, Field NYI has its own Facebook page. And you can sort of message me through those pages and I'll, I'll get that and respond. And wherever that leads, give someone my email address or whatever or yeah, do no, a Zoom call, whatever it is, yeah. we can go from there. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. I can't wait to get up there uh, where you are. I haven't yet been able to visit and I look forward to when we, we, can, we as a family can come up and check out what you're doing and check out places like Chatterbox. Yeah, I just want to thank... Um, you and the college for this opportunity just to share and have a chat and yeah, see how Thank, it goes. Well, thanks, Cam. I really appreciate it. And God bless you and uh, all that you're doing there and in your future, your family, uh, wife and kids. And uh, it's great to have you on. So thank you. Cool. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about the college, please check us out online at ntc.edu.au and you can follow us on Facebook. We hope to see you again in a future episode.